All right, how we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah, yeah. Good to see you this morning. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them they look good today. Tell them last time they might have had something going on. They didn't look as good, but now they look good. Yeah. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am glad that you are joining us. We're in week two of a series we've been in uh, called Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, and, and I know that you know what a mosquito is. Mosquitoes are insects that know how to pester us. And mosquitoes are insects that know how to, to bother us and irritate us. And, and I can't help but think that everybody in this room, uh, you might have had a moment or moments uh, when you were out in the yard or maybe out in the woods and there was just mosquitoes everywhere and you're swatting and you're, you're, you're dodging, you know, you're, you're working on your boxing skills trying to get those mosquitoes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, because mosquitoes are everywhere. It's pretty much the state bird in Mississippi, right? Uh, but, but mosquitoes everywhere. What about this? Have you ever been somewhere, uh, and it wasn't a whole bunch of mosquitoes that were bothering you. It was just one. Just one uh, mosquito that really seemed to be giving you fits and bothering you. I, I remember several years ago uh, going on a mission trip to Belize. And when you tell people that you went to a mission trip on Belize, they, they kind of are hesitant because they think, well, isn't Belize one of those major tourist attractions? And it is. Uh, there is a place where the cruise ships come in. That's Belize City. But where we were uh, was, not, uh, was not like your tropical paradise, okay? Uh, where we were, it was, it was rough. It took us forever to drive where we were going because the roads were just disastrous. If you wanted to call them roads in the first place, just holes everywhere. Uh, where we were going, uh, people, people actually uh, took their clothes down to the river to wash uh, their clothes. They even went down to the river to bathe themselves. Uh, one of the villages that we rolled up on, they had kids running around that were half-dressed and not dressed at all. When we got there, they ran back uh, to their huts to kind of cover up. Uh, and, and I remember they collected water off of the roof of their huts in these containers, and that was their drinking water. And I remember I went in there, and I got some water out of one of their drinking containers to make some Kool-Aid for them. And I'm looking at all the stuff floating around in that Kool-Aid, and I'm mixing it up going, oh, Lord, bless it. And I gave it to them kids. And so y'all like, did you drink any, uh, Pastor? No, I ain't drinking none of that. I was trying to wash my figure. Kool-Aid's got sugar in it, you know. Uh, I'm just kidding, but I wasn't drinking that, drinking that Kool-Aid. Uh, but again, uh, we were ministering in the jungles. Uh, and so uh, where we went, every day we had to drive hours and hours to get there. Uh, but... Uh, luckily, we were staying in a mission house, which was kind of closer to town. Uh, but the mission house that we were staying in, uh, they didn't have air conditioning. What they had was they had, slat, they had these slatted windows, not windows like uh, what you and I have in our homes. These were just some slats on the side of the house that were designed just to kind of keep air circulating through the home. And uh, so that meant that it was open to all kinds of critters. I remember waking up one day and there were scorpions on the floor and snakes on the floor. And I had to get up out of bed and I had to stomp them scorpions with my heel and grab those snakes real fast and whip them to kill them. You're like, really, Pastor? No, nah, I was screaming like a baby, but that's a true story. There really were snakes and scorpions in there. I wish I had that courage, but I didn't. Uh, but anyway, we did have electricity. We had electricity, and uh, so I remember sleeping with a box fan uh, every night. How many of y'all got to sleep with a box fan? Well, so I didn't just have the fan blowing on me. Literally every night I cuddled with that box fan, uh, and I did it for multiple reasons. First off, the white noise did help me sleep. Uh, second off, it was really, 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 really hot. And third, I was hoping that the wind from the fan would actually keep the bugs uh, off of me. And so I remember, though, it didn't work. I don't know it, what kind of steroids the Belizean mosquitoes are on, uh, but, man, I would wake up in the morning and I would have these bumps all over me and bruises where in the middle of the night I was hitting myself trying to kill uh, that mosquito. And so this went on for several nights. 
And I remember the third night I was praying, Lord, I really, I really wish you'd punish that mosquito that's bothering me. I really wish that you would smite that mosquito. I wish you would take that mosquito out. And so I finally got to sleep, and I felt this sensation on my nose. And so I opened my eyes, and because the bathroom light was on, I could actually see this mosquito on my nose when I'm sleeping like that. And so with my ninja-like skills, whoop, I nailed that I nailed that mosquito. I popped that mosquito. I got him got, but in the process I also got myself got. You know what I'm saying? I hit myself so hard my nose started bleeding. And uh, not only was it bleeding like from my nose, I had to get up in the bathroom, go in the bathroom, but there was blood all over my nose where he was getting me. But luckily, man, pieces of that mosquito were all mangled and flattened on my nose. I got him. Praise God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes again we all have these mosquitoes that bother us and pester us and annoy us. And if we were really to be honest, we'd have to admit that there are some people in our lives that are just like that, right? That really know how to annoy us, that really know how to pester us, really know how to bother us. And if we were really, really, really honest, we've all got some people in our life that there have been times we've been tempted to smack them just like you would a mosquito. Any, anybody, just pray for me then, okay? I'm the only one being honest up in here. Uh, but again, so we've got people in our lives who know how to suck the life out of us. And so how do we deal with those people? Last week, we talked about a specific type of person. We talked about control freaks, how to deal with them. And today, I want to talk to you about how do we deal with critical people, critical people. How many of y'all got somebody in your life that's just incredibly critical, critical? Uh, again, if they're sitting next to you, don't point at them. Uh, but we all have people like that in our life. It could be for you. It could be a boss. Maybe your boss is like that. Maybe you don't ever hear anything about what you were doing or how you were doing until you do something wrong, and then they're going to let you, you know all about it. It could, be, uh, it could be your mom and dad. Maybe you are a mom and dad now. Maybe you are a parent, and your mom and dad are always fussing at you about the way that you raise your child, right? The parents who told you that they walked barefooted to school over broken glass and lava are fussing at you because you let your kid play in the yard barefooted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Again, it could be, it could be a parent. It might be your spouse, who's always fussing at you about the way that you look, the way that you talk, the way that you walk, the way that you chew your food, you know what I'm saying, the way that you load the dishwasher, you don't load the dishwasher, the way that you always leave your socks on the floor, or the way that you always wear the same shirt everywhere that you go, in every family picture, it's like the same shirt, or the way that you put toilet paper on the dispenser in the bathroom, or you don't put the toilet dispenser on the, the toilet paper on the dispenser. I just feel like I'm preaching to somebody here. Does anybody know some critical people in your life? If you don't, you were born yesterday. Again, we all have people like that in our life. And the great philosopher Aristotle said, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. If you want to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. But I don't want to be critical of that quote, and I don't want to criticize that quote. But the truth is, if you do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing, people will actually criticize you for being lazy. Because the truth is, if you're going to live, you're going to, you're going to have to walk through some criticism, especially if you are a follower of Christ. If, if you're going to be different than the world, if you're going to have different values and different beliefs than the majority of people around you, I promise you, you will be criticized and I promise you, you will be persecuted. So if we're going to follow Jesus, that means that we've got to learn how to handle criticism, how to properly respond to 
criticism. And so if you're keeping notes and you want to write something down, I'm going to give you four ways, four ways on how to respond to critical people in your life. If you're keeping notes, the first way is this. How do you respond? Oftentimes you don't respond. Oftentimes you don't respond. See, folks, just because somebody criticizes you, it, it, it doesn't mean that you are obligated to respond. Just because somebody wants to come and be critical of you, it doesn't mean that you have to respond. And when you and I realize that, that really can be incredibly freeing. It can really, it can really, uh, really let you go and really allow you to walk in freedom. In fact, this was Jesus' first, first way that he responded to people who, when they were very critical of him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says, when they hurled insults at him. Uh, that him is talking about Jesus. Again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. That him is Jesus. It's Jesus. And so what were some of the insults that they hurled at Jesus? Some of the insults that they said about Jesus were that he was a, he was a friend of sinners. And that's not a compliment. What they were basically saying of Jesus is that Jesus is a sinner. They were saying that Jesus was a drunk. They said he was a glutton, that he ate too much. They said that he was crazy, that he was a lunatic, that he had done lost his mind. If people criticized Jesus, who was and is perfect, you better bet they're going to criticize you too. So again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So I want you to notice in that verse that it says he did not retaliate. He did not try to defend himself. He did not complain. He didn't go to Facebook and tag the person who was being critical of him in the hopes of gaining a social media army of soldiers to attack the person who was being critical of him. The Bible says that he simply entrusted himself to the Father in heaven. What does that mean? It basically means that Jesus said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to let the Father take care of that. I'm just going to let the Father sort that out. So how do you respond to critical people? Oftentimes you don't. In fact, I love what Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says. That verse says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to do what? To overlook an offense. What does it mean to overlook an offense? When you overlook offense, it's not, it's not a pretending that something didn't happen. It's not like you said, oh, I just, I didn't even see it. That word overlook in the Hebrew actually means to let go, to get over, to get over. It's to overlook is a form of forgiveness. It's a way that you and I can forgive. And when it's talking about to get over or to overlook, what it's actually saying, it's not talking about past hurts. It's not. It's actually talking about real time, forgiveness in real time. In other words, when someone comes to you and they're being critical, they're being rude, they're being hurtful, they're being mean to you, it's choosing in your mind instead of fighting back, instead of giving them a piece of your mind and retaliating, it's choosing to overlook and let it go in real time. It's saying, I'm choosing to let it go because I'm a follower of Christ and there's a higher calling on my life and a higher purpose for my life. And can I just be honest with you? I'm not always good at doing that. Anybody else? You're just not always good at overlooking things that happen in the moment, 
or whatever. I, I'm not. I, I haven't been. I remember when I first kind of got into ministry, I'd been preaching for a couple years, and I got asked to go and preach at a conference, and so I said, okay, I'll, I'll go and preach. And so I went and I preached, and man, I felt like I preached my guts out. I really did. I, I just laid it all out there, and uh, after, the, after the message, there were people who were there were some people who had gathered around the altar, and so I kind of went down there to pray with some people. And while I'm down there, I felt somebody tap me on my shoulder. And so when I turned around, there was this other pastor, this other preacher, wearing a suit, wearing a tie, wearing a, wearing a button-up shirt, looking real nice. And so he looks at me, and he hands me a piece of paper that had notes on it that he had written while I was uh, speaking. And basically what he said to me was that my sermon wasn't from God because the scripture reference I used weren't from the King James Version of the Bible. And uh, on the notes that he handed me were verses that he said were in the King James Version that weren't in the NIV or vice versa. They were in the NIV and they weren't in the King James Version. Again, I had just felt like I had preached my guts out. I mean, like, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just I, and this guy comes up to me and says basically that everything I said was wrong because he didn't like the version of the Bible that I used. And so in that moment, man, I kind of lost it. And I looked at him in his eyes. I said, sir, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard from anybody in my life. I said, you do realize that the Dead Sea Scrolls weren't, weren't found until after the King James Version was originally translated. I said, so the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest known manuscripts of the Bible that we have, weren't even, weren't even around, weren't even found when the King James Version of the Bible was translated. So what that tells me is that it's your King James Version of the Bible that's messed up. And I looked at him like I was going to punch him, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, I mean, he was in a suit and he looked official. And he couldn't believe that anybody would talk to him like that. But man, at the time, bro, I was holy enough to pray for you, but hood enough to swing on you. I'm from Pearl, Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? I said, don't step in me like that. But it wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Why? Because Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. How do you deal with overly critical people in your life? As hard as it is, sometimes you just don't respond. The second way I want you to see that you respond, not only do you often not respond, but the second way is sometimes you respond carefully. Sometimes you respond carefully. And notice I didn't say that you react instinctively. That's how I just reacted and told you guys. That's reacting uh, instinctively. Responding and reacting are two completely different things. Reacting is driven by your emotion. Responding is actually being led by the Holy Spirit. See, folks, if somebody comes at you and they're being overly critical and you get snappy right back with them and you get an attitude right back with them, what tends to happen? Things can escalate very quickly. You ever seen it happen? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17 says this. It says a quick-tempered person does foolish things. What does a quick-tempered person do? Foolish things. Proverbs 29, 11 says a fool always loses his temper. If you always lose your temper, you know what that makes you? A fool. Don't get mad at me. That's God's word. That's what it says, right? Take it up with him. Check out this verse, Proverbs 15, 18. It says, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but watch this, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. So that means that if we are patient when someone comes to us 
fussing and being critical, the way that we respond can calm a fight. The way that you and I respond in those moments can be great or they can be really, really bad. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, there are going to be times in your life and in my life when somebody comes to you and they're being critical, and because you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you are going to respond. You're going to need to respond, but it's in those moments that you have to respond carefully. It's in those moments that you have to respond properly, where you basically calmly offer a response to the person who is being critical of you in hopes of giving them an understanding that they did not have previously. When they come to you and say, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe that you did that. You calmly say, well, can I tell you why I did that? Can I tell you what led to that? But another thing that will help you respond to them properly is understanding that oftentimes when somebody comes to you and they're being overly critical, it's not about you. It's not about, it's not about us. The truth is, more times than not, criticism is actually born out of hurt in that person's own life. There's a catchy saying that says, that, that says hurt people hurt people. And what that means is, is that people who are hurting, people who have a wound, people who have been hurt, oftentimes they're the ones who hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. I found that most angry people are actually just hurting people. There's some sort of wound in their life. There's something going on in their life that they don't like, and it kind of manifests itself in this critical spirit. I know that when people are usually being overly critical about me, it's usually because there's something else going on in their life. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and just blow up about something, and you're thinking, man, there's, this really can't be what's got them upset. There's got to be something else going on. Does anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? You been there? I remember one time a guy came up to me fussing about something that I had done, and I thought, man, that, that really can't be what's going on. And so instead of trying to defend myself, instead of trying to lash out, and I wanted to, instead of doing that, I thought, man, there's something else going on. And so instead of taking what this guy was saying personally, I said, you know what, in my mind, there's a deeper issue. And so what I tried to do was love that guy through what was going on. And you know what ended up happening? He ended up breaking down and crying. He was in tears. And he said, you know what? He said, I, I just lost my job. And he hadn't told his wife yet, and he was scared. He said, man, I didn't mean to lash out at you. He said, I'm just really in a difficult moment in my life. And so that's why when we respond to overly critical people, that's why we have to respond carefully because we don't know what they're going through. It could be something, something very, very big in their life that's got them bothered and weighed down. And when you and I don't take what they're saying personally and instead try to love them through that wound, you and I have an opportunity to minister to them and watch God do something great. So how do you respond to overly critical people? Oftentimes you don't. Sometimes you respond carefully. The third thing that I want you to see is that occasionally you listen and you make a change. Occasionally you listen and you make a change. See, folks, sometimes the person causes you to recognize 
that there really is something in your life that you need to look at. Sometimes even the most harsh critic in your life really does see something in your life that needs to be changed. Sometimes even those people who love you and come at you trying to constructively criticize you, they're trying to get you to see a truth about yourself that you might not see. And so oftentimes when someone comes to us, there really is something that we need to listen to. There really is something that we need to hear. Like, for example, if people in your life, a lot of people in your life are telling you you have a problem with something, guess what the chances are? Chances are pretty good that you really do have a problem there. If your wife who loves you is always telling you, man, you're yelling at the kids too much. You're always yelling at me. You drink too much. If the person that loves you tells you that, probably, chances are, you've got something that you need to work on. If all of your friends and, all, and your mom and dad and everybody you know is telling you that you shouldn't be dating that guy, chances are you need to cast that demon out and wait on God to send you the right person. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Chances are if somebody is telling you something and everybody else is agreeing with them, it's probably something that you need to consider. Proverbs chapter 15 verses 31 through 32 says this, if you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. Folks, I'm thankful that there have been some people who love me and even some people who hate me who have come to me and pointed out things in my life that were ungodly, things that just weren't helpful, and things that I just needed to really address in my life. And again, some of the things that were pointed out to me, that have been pointed out to me, they're not necessarily bad things. They're just not helpful things. But I'm thankful that I was willing to listen. Again, I remember before Amanda and I started dating, my mom sat me down. My mom sat me down and she said she was worried about me. And I said, Mom, what are you worried about? And she told me, she said, I'm worried, that I'm worried about you because you don't know how to treat women. Well, when my mom told me that, I got mad. I didn't want to hear that. But she was absolutely right. I didn't know how to treat women. I treated most of the girls I dated coming up really bad and I didn't think anything about it. I just, I just didn't care. It took my mom pointing it out to me for me to actually make some sort of change in my life. And it was such an honor to me that on my wedding day, my mom walked up to me after the ceremony and she said, Robert, I don't really know how to, to say this. I don't really know how to explain it. She said, but I could see the love that you have for your wife in that ceremony. I could see the love that you have for Amanda right there. I could see it. Well, I trace that all the way back to me being willing to hear a hard truth that my mom pointed out. And I'm better because of that constructive criticism. In the last year in your life, if there's not one or two or three or four things that are different because you listened to some constructive criticism in your life, chances are you're missing opportunities for growth in your life. All of us need to grow. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. In fact, look at the person sitting next to you and say, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> now tell the person you really wanted to tell that on the other side of it, you got a lot of work to do, right? None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. We sometimes need to hear things that will help us in our life. And so how do you respond to people who are being overly critical to you? Often, you don't. 
Sometimes you respond carefully. Occasionally, you listen and you make a change. And the fourth thing that I want you to see before we leave is you always work to guard your heart. You always work to guard your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. See, folks, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be the kind of person who lives with a critical spirit. I don't want to be the type of person who is always being critical of everybody around me. Because do you actually know who you're being like when you're, when you're like that, when you're just always critical and always negative? Do you know who you're being like? You're being like Satan. Did you know that? Satan, one of his terms in the Bible, he's referred to as the accuser of the brethren. Why in the world does Satan always want to be critical of you and critical of me and critical of all of us? He wants to be critical of us because he wants to beat us down with shame and guilt. He wants to beat us down so we'll continue to live in bondage. Again, I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to look anything like Satan's. I don't. And so Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this. It says, some people make cutting remarks. What type of remarks do they make? Cutting remarks. But the words of the wise bring healing. Again, I don't know about you, but I don't want my life, I don't want my words, I don't want my heart and my spirit to be cutting I want my words, my heart, my spirit, and my life to be life-giving. I want to actually build others up. I want to encourage other people in godliness. The problem for most of us, for all of us, is that because of our sinful nature, when we are talking about dealing with critical people, just like we said last week when it comes to controlling people, people who are uh, really controlling in our life, Oftentimes, the most critical person and the most controlling person in our life is, guess who? It's us. It's the person that looks right back at us in the mirror every time we look there. And all too often, we try to justify our critical nature as if it's some sort of spiritual gift that God just wants to use me to point out everything that's wrong with everybody else. We say things like, I can't believe they do that. I can't believe they let their kid do that. I can't believe they watch this. I can't believe they listen to that. I can't believe they go there. I can't believe my boss. They don't know anything. Everybody I work with is no good. Can you believe they messed up my order again when I went out to the restaurant? I can't believe the receipt machine at the gas station doesn't work anymore. I can't believe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Isn't it amazing how critical we can actually be? Well, that's not the, kind of God, not, not the kind of life that God has for us. That's not the way that God wants us to live. See, I'm wrapping up, but I want you to see what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Look at what he says. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? What's he saying? He's saying, why do you pick them apart? Why do you tear them down? Why do you look down on another believer? Why are you so critical? And then look at what he says. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. He says, bruh, we all going to have to stand before God. 
So what does he say we should do? Stop condemning one another. Stop tearing each other down. Stop picking people apart. Stop being so nitpicky about everything. Stop being so critical about everyone and everything. We're not called to be somebody else's judge. We're called to love people. Folks, there's enough negativity in our world. There is. There's enough negativity in our world. There's enough hatred. There are enough angry people. And I don't want my words, I don't want my words to be words of discouragement. I want to be a voice of life to the people around me. I don't want to be somebody who's always looking for what is wrong. Because if you want to see what's wrong in the world, you can see it easily. But if you want to see what's good and you want to see what's right, you can see that too. It all goes back to what you allow your focus to be on. And so I want to look for good. I want to see God moving. I want to see God performing miracles. And so again, if you want to focus on the negative and you want to have a a negative spirit and be critical all the time, I promise you, I promise you, God's not going to use you in a big way. He's not. Folks, you listen to me. When God created the world, he looked at it. You know what he said? It's good. It's good. Even when what he created went bad. You know what he did? He sent a good and pure and holy, righteous Jesus. He sent his one and only son to redeem what was bad. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but to save this world. And so if we're going to be like Christ, we got to think about how we interact with people. we got to think about the way that we talk with the things that we say. And I, for one, again, don't want to be someone who causes the people around me to feel discouraged and defeated. I want to be the kind of person who speaks life into the people around me because Jesus said you and I are the light of the world. What does that mean? It means that when you and I walk into a room, we bring light. It means when you and I walk into a room and when you and I interact with one another, we lift heads, we encourage, we love, we speak the truth. But when we speak the truth, we speak the truth in love. And when someone points out something in our life that needs to be changed, we we make the change. We make the change because we realize we haven't arrived. We let iron sharpen iron. We let other Christians lift us up and build us up. But... Is it hard to get away from a critical spirit? Is it hard to guard your heart and keep your heart in check? Absolutely it is. That's why we need God. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Folks, I'm so thankful that we serve a God who when we ask for his help, he'll help. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but I wonder today if maybe you're here and as you've heard the message and kind of thought about it, you think about your own life, you realize that there is this tendency for you just to be overly critical. You're critical of your friends, you're critical of your family, critical of your spouse and you'd say you know what that's not good you say pastor would you pray for me that I'll overcome that that critical spirit 
And if that's you, I'm just going to ask it right where you lift your hands so I can pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, a lot of hands. Father, again, we realize as your children we haven't arrived. And right now we need you. We need you to change us, Father. We need your Holy Spirit to lead us. Father, help us to focus on what is good, what is pure, what is noble, what is trustworthy, what is right. Father, forgive us for our negativity. Because the truth of the matter is, God, you've been so good to us. There's air in our lungs, clothes on our back. Father, we've got food to eat, people who love us. Again, God, we've got so much. You really are good. And so I pray that we would focus on your goodness, that we would look for what is good in the people that are around us and in the world around us. As we continue to pray, our, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today if maybe you came in today. And again, this life has got you down. And maybe the reason why life's got you down is because you don't know the Savior. You don't know Jesus Christ. And you think, you know what, I, I've just been so critical about everything. Let me tell you, the first step in making a change in that department is to allow God to make you into a new person. To allow God to actually give you a new heart. The Bible teaches that if anybody is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. So right now, today, you can become a new person filled with God's Holy Spirit who will enable you to live the life that's going to please Him. And so if you know today that you want to be saved, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you pray this prayer. Father, today, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I need you. Father, forgive me for my sins, all of them. Father, I ask that you really would mold me into a new person. Not a better version of the old me, a completely new person. I pray, Father, that it would be such a different person that the people I see when I walk out of these doors, that the people I interact with, will notice the change. And it's because you are living inside of me. So right now, again, I thank you for sending Jesus to die. And I ask that you save me. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today, if you prayed to receive Christ, if you would do me a favor right where you are, if you just lift your hand so I can know, amen, amen. Father, we thank you so much. I thank you so much for new life. And Father, I pray that you would just do great things, great things in the lives of each and every person here. Father, again, we need you. And we ask right now that you would continue to move. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.